0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. This is not even in my notes, but I, I will start by saying that this is such, such an incredibly important subject that we get a hold of. I, you know, most of you know that for a large part of my ministry, even even today, even in current days, a large part of my ministry is counseling. And so one of the things that you find out about counseling as you work with people, you begin to see patterns and you begin to see similarities. You know, there was an old saying that we used to say a long time ago, uh, the problems don't change, just the faces. And and generally that, in, generally speaking, that's true. And there's a reason for that. And the reason that the problems... Um, don't change in the faces do, is because it's all coming from the same seedbed. Yes. The problems are all coming from the same seedbed. So if I could say something to you that even beyond these notes that we're going to talk about, when you're dealing with a problem, understand that it is not by chance. There is nothing in this life that is by chance. We do not. There is never a time in life where we are in neutral. We are coasting. I know sometimes it feels like we might be coasting, it feels like we might be in neutral, but even the, even the idea of just coasting and being in neutral, that reality is coming from something. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit last week, we talked about how that we all have this set of glasses that we wear, this, this, this filter, if you will, that we look at life through. And that filter is made up of all the things that are good and bad. All of the things, the experiences of our life, Uh, it doesn't matter if they're good, it doesn't matter if they're bad, Uh, those things come and and they inform us. They they tell us things about who we are and who God is and what's right and what's wrong, our values, our priorities, all of these things. And if you wanted to uh, just put it in one word or one term, it would be your belief system. So your belief system, how you look, or, or on other people, they say, if you really want to get fancy and kind of go to the college level, it's your worldview. It's how you see the world. And so your worldview affects every decision that you make. It, it affects every choice that you make. It, it affects every action or reaction, how you understand, how you interpret things. You know, and all of those things are a part of that, that filter. Well, the, the moral of that story is this, is when the filter is corrupted, then everything that goes through it ends up corrupted. Amen? And that's the, problem, that's the problem we experienced prior to salvation. Prior to salvation, we were lost in sin. We, in fact, we were so helpless we could do nothing other than sin. It's the only thing we could do. We were, uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that we were slaves. To sin we were under the dominion of sin and it was under we, we were under that control so that that was our programming as it were okay and and so what happens is then in the in that time of life everything we did we interpreted through that lens of sin how we looked at it what we you know felt is valuable or not valuable or important or priorities or good or bad or whatever and it all and it came out corrupted. We couldn't help it. But then we got saved, and something very unique happened. When we got saved, we were given a brand new identity. Amen. So the first thing that Jesus did, the very first thing that Jesus did when we got saved is He removed the stain of sin. Okay, He, he cleansed us in His blood. When we, So here's the thing. When we walked in faith, when we accepted Him by faith, then the immediately, and I'm, I'm not talking this was a process down the road, I'm talking about immediately at that moment, every sin that you ever did, are doing, and will do was forgiven and wiped away. Amen. Okay, the sin was taken care of. The sin problem was dealt with. He said, you are no longer slaves to sin. You are free, completely free. Amen. Then the second thing that he did is he, he did something remarkable. He said this, he says, I am going now, because of your faith, I am going to impute, or I am going to proclaim and declare on you that you are righteous. So it's no longer do you have, no longer is righteousness based on a performance. No longer is my righteousness measured by how well I follow, follow a set of rules, or how I go about life. Righteousness now is my position. It's my position. And he tells us, he says, you are righteous. Now, this is the quandary is because most of us don't feel righteous. Most of us feel like, well, I've blown it. I've done things. I've gotten angry. I've, you know, whatever, whatever the things are, because we're still dealing with this thing called the flesh. Now, one of the things that you need to understand about that term flesh, we're not talking about the physical body, the mechanic, the machine. We're talking about the spirit of flesh, the nature, okay? Because this body, this flesh, this machine responds to the nature that exists in it, okay? And so if you feed the fleshly nature your flesh will respond accordingly. If you feed the spirit nature, your spirit man, your body, your man, your physical man will respond accordingly, okay? So the thing that's been taken care of and that's been removed from us is this old nature. But the, the problem is, is that we still have a desire from time to time, whether it's through ignorance or through um, a manipulation or misunderstanding or whatever adjective you want to put on it, we slip back into that old nature. And so you say, well, if, I am, if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, why do I still sin? Well, because you cho- choose to. You made a decision that is what I'm going to do. You knew better. How many of us, I mean, really, let's, let's just get, let, can, can we get real for a moment? Oh, yeah. That seems to be a popular phrase right now. Yeah. Let's just get real. <clears throat> the reality is, you know better. Yeah. I know better. Yeah. It's like you're cruising on the internet, you're looking and looking, and God goes, don't go there. Yeah, that's right. And you go, but I want to. I want to. But it's going to mess you up. Well, I don't care. That's what happens, and you go there, whatever there is. Or if, if somebody says something to you, if somebody, you know, makes an offhanded comment, and you don't understand where it's coming from, you have a choice. Do I, do I now, am I going to allow myself to be offended? Or am I going to walk in grace? What am I going to do? And we know better. We know better than that. If somebody tells you a really good, juicy tidbit of information, Christians are famous at this. In prayer meetings, we do this all the time. Lord, I just want to pray for my brother so-and-so who's, you know, really struggling with this condition, the spiritualized gossip. (laughs) It is. It is what it is. And so what happens is it makes us feel good because information is power. When we know something other people don't know, we feel good about ourselves. Why is that happening? Because we've been sold a bill of goods that says we're not worthy. We're no good. And so therefore, what we do is we come up and we go, this is what I'm doing. This is, I need to, I need to let you know I know something that you don't know. Therefore, I'm in the know and you're not. Amen? Amen? All of those things, because I don't know, there may be some here, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know everybody here. There may be some that are dealing with the overt sins, but I would say, by and large, this group of people are dealing with the, the sins of commission, not omission, the, the sins that, you know, they're kind of behind the scenes, you know. We're dealing with that. And why is that? Well, the, the reality is it's an identity issue. That's why identity is so important. Because when you finally know who you really are, who you really are, and the power that you really carry, and who actually lives in your life, you know, I, I, it's, it just amazes me. And I, I'm just gonna do, I'm not gonna do this long, so I'm gonna just do this. They're, they found a star, and, and it's now, they say it's the star that is the absolute biggest star. And if the center of that star were at the center of the sun, the edge of the star would be somewhere out around Neptune. I mean, that's a big star. I mean, the star itself is almost bigger than our solar system. Because in my solar system, Pluto is still a planet. I'm looking at my wife. They have the Pluto debates. Never said it wasn't, that's right. But somewhere along the line, here's this gigantic star, and they can't even measure the power. God says in His Word, I measure the universe in the palm of my hand. And that same God lives in you. Right. And, and, and the problem is, church, the problem is, is that it's kind of like this, it's kind of like when politicians get up and they talk about the deficit. Oh, we're 29 trillion dollars in debt. That doesn't even calculate to us. Cuz if somebody came to you and said, "Oh man, I got a I got a bill in the mail. It was $680." And you go, "Oh, that's a drag." $680, that's a lot of money to come up with real quick. But if somebody comes up to you and says, "You know, I got a bill in the mail. It's 29 trillion dollars. I owe 29 trillion dollars." You're like, huh, "Good luck." I mean, because it doesn't, it's so big, it doesn't register. So what happens in Christianity, if we're not careful enough, the reality of God in who he really is won't register. But I am here to assure you that you are the children of God. And he is that big. And he really does live inside you. You are truly royalty. That's what he did. And so this is why this is so important. So let's get to our lesson. I want to look at the verse. We looked at uh, the story last week. I'm just going to look at this one verse uh, just as a reminder. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. You know the story. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he appears to him and he says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The reason that I like this story is because I can identify with Gideon. I can identify with hiding out in the wine press. You know, I, I do really well. I'm an expert at hiding out. I can hide out. I can, I can fly beneath the radar really well. I can be a wallflower at a party. I, I can be nondescript and nobody will even know I was there. And sometimes I really, really like that because there's not so much pressure on me. So I understand how, what he's doing, but one of the reasons he's doing this is because the Midianites have been coming in and stealing and, and, and pillaging, and they're taking all their crops and all this. So Gideon is down in the wine press trying to hide what's valuable to him, and then here comes God. Here comes God. Now Gideon's own testimony is this, I am the least, my, my tribe, Manasseh, is the least in the, in the, in the kingdom. And he goes, and I'm the least of the tribe. My family is the least of the tribe, and I'm the least of the family. I'm like the bottom rung. I am so low that I I drag in the dirt. When you move the ladder, I'm the bottom rung that drags in the dirt. That's how low I am. But God comes to him, and God does not deal with or address his weakness or his confusion or his lack of identity What God does is He speaks direct to him, and He says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He declares to him who he truly is. And I'm saying to you today, that's what God wants to do for us. Now, last week we began this series on identity, and we talked about identity in crisis. And I believe identity in crisis, the fact that identity is so much in crisis is why we struggle in life. I believe it's why marriages end up failing at a greater level than than any other time. I believe it's why young men and young women are leaving the church. I believe it's why long-term Christians never grow beyond the infant stage of Christianity. I, I believe identity is what's behind drug addiction and alcoholism and pornography and domestic violence and child abuse and all of those things. I, I believe the, the, the misunderstanding or the lack of understanding our identity is why people struggle with things like suicide and depression and anger and fear and stress. And why many are even sick and diseased in the church because they just don't know who they are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I believe identity is why churches struggle to stay relevant in society. Now, when I say relevant, I'm not talking about that we become what they are. I'm talking about that we are able to speak in such a way, to speak the truth that, has, that never changes, in such a way is that they will hear it. So many times the reason that people aren't hearing the truth is because they've, they're not on that wavelength anymore. We're hanging on to things that it's gone. That, the, the, the time has passed. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I was watching an interview the other day. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to venture into dangerous territory here or not, but I'll try it. So I was watching an interview with a guy by the name of Robert Plant. Does anybody know who Robert Plant is? Okay, Robert Plant was the lead singer of a group called Led Zeppelin. Okay, they were really, really popular in the 70s and, and uh, I, maybe up to the first part of the 80s. I'm not sure when they disbanded, but they were really popular. And they had a, they had a one song that was really popular, popular, Stairway to Heaven and all of that. And there was much to do about that song and back and forth and all this stuff. And who, who knows? I, I, that's not the point. The point is, is the interviewer who was Dan Rather. Do you, does anybody know who Dan Rather is? OK, so Dan Rather is interviewing Robert Plant, and he says, "So he goes, "Is that song "Stairway to Heaven? Is that your favorite song?" And he goes, "Well, he goes, "I like it." He goes, "But he goes, "I don't know if I could say it's my favorite one." He says, "Because that song was written for a time, and that time is past." He goes, the songs that I'm writing now are my favorite because they're for this time. Wow. And that, that revelation, that little, you know, nudge of, of insight caught my attention because I think that's so true in the church. And I think sometimes because we forget who we are and we forget our identity, what we end up doing is we hang on to stuff that's it, it's just not working anymore. It's just, it's not working. It's, it's not communicating, because it was for another time. And because we don't know who we are, we don't evolve, if I could use that word, or grow is a better word. We don't grow into what God has us to be. That's right. See, the message, listen, the message, the truth of the gospel never changes. It's absolute. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But how we speak that and how we communicate that and how we share that has to change. It has to. And, and somewhere along the line, because of the fact that we deal with these insecurities and we deal with stuff, and I feel it. I, I'll be honest with you. I feel it. I, I am becoming more aware of things now getting older that I never really understood before. I never really understood those things. And so I'm beginning to have a little bit more empathy for people that are getting older because I'm getting older. But the reality is, is whether we're getting older or not, we have to walk in who we are. Can you say amen? And so we've got to stop living in this identity crisis. And I I don't know if I could tell you, and I'm going to probably say this several times, how very important this is. Now, I want you to think about something with me here. Our identity in Christ... Is powerful. In fact, our identity in Christ is a liberating fact. And what makes it so overwhelmingly powerful is the reality that you and I possess this idea identity because he was so willing and thoroughly, he he so willingly and thoroughly identifies himself with us. Now, this is what I got I need you to catch. Because when Jesus came to earth. He did something miraculous. It, in fact, they call it a mystery, the mystery of Christ. He was fully God, yet fully man, 100%. Now, here's the thing. Jesus first related to us. He initiated this. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus took upon himself human flesh and he became one with us. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself a no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, once again, I want you to think about this. He was born of a woman, so he can identify with our humanity, right? He was born in a stable, so he can identify with our poverty. He was born of an unwed mother, so he can identify with our humiliation. Being made sin who knew no sin, he can identify with our sin. Tempted in the desert, he identifies with our struggle. Rejected by those who came to save, He came to save, He identifies with our alienation. Yes. Crucified on the cross, He identifies with our pain and our suffering. Buried in a borrowed grave, He identifies with our mortality. And rising from the dead, He gave us an identity that will last forever. Right. Yeah. Because He so thoroughly became one of us in his life and his death, we then can, through salvation, consider ourselves one with him in his resurrection. 1 yeah. Corinthians 6.17 says this, But whosoever is united with the Lord is one with him in the Spirit. That's right. yeah. That that's, that's verse right there should change everything about your life. Yeah. Yeah. You are one with him, literally, his identity becomes our identity. Right. <laughs> Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature or new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." I always say this: we are not. Uh, we are not a. a um, we're not refurbished. You know, you can can buy refurbished equipment, and and you're taking a chance. Sometimes you get a good one, sometimes you get a lemon. You can buy refurbished computers, you can buy refurbished refrigerators, refurbished dishwashers, and, you know, sometimes you're buying somebody else's problem. That's not us. We're not old equipment with new parts. We are a brand-new creature, brand-new creation. God did away with the old and did something completely new in us. And then he says this. He uses two words in combination. He says, in Christ. Now, it's incredibly important that we pay attention to these two words. Because at any given day, you are in Christ. Well, you don't know, preacher, I, I really blew it the other day. Yeah, you did. In Christ. When's he going to kick me out? I don't know. I don't worry about that. I'm in Christ. And when he comes to me and says, hey, you blew it, I'm quick to ask him to forgive me. And he's quick to forgive because he already has. I'm in Christ. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. In Christ, the mystery of God's will is revealed to us. In Christ, we are chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is all God's choice, not mine. In Christ, God has freely given us his glorious grace. In Christ, God exerted his mighty strength, raising Jesus from the dead and thereby raising us from the dead. In Christ, God has shown us the incomparable riches of His grace. In Christ, we are created to do good works that are prepared for us. In Christ, we who were far away have been brought near. In Christ, we are built together as a collective dwelling place for God's Spirit. In Christ, we are seated, or sealed, I should say, by the Holy Spirit. In Christ, we have been raised from death and seated in heavenly places. In Christ, we are reconciled to God through the cross. In Christ are the riches in glory by God. Uh, are, are in, in Christ are the riches in glory by which God will supply all our need. Amen. Let me just pause there. There's only two more. Do you know God's got warehouses in heaven where He keeps wind and snow and rain? Amen. Warehouses. Just read it in the Book of Job. He's like, oh, all right, angels, go, go, go to Warehouse 622. And get some wind and send it down to Kingman because the Lord knows they need some. In Christ, we are forgiven, healed, and delivered. In Christ, we are new creations. In Christ, by new birth and by adoption, we are now the children of God. Listen, listen to this. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. The word right here means privilege, capacity, freedom, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, and strength. So let me just read this again. But as many as received him, to to them he gave the privilege, the capacity, the freedom, the authority, the jurisdiction, the liberty, the power, the strength to be children of God. I think God was serious about what he intended to do. In Christ, we have this new identity. We have this identity that must predominate in our life. That is why it's so important that we spend time understanding it. You should spend time exploring who you are in Christ. Listen... I think it was Bill Johnson that made this statement. Faith explores what revelation reveals. And I'm telling you, God will give you a revelation. Uh, And then he says, by faith, go explore it. Go see what it is, man. This is my gift to you. Go check it out. And it's upon that identity that we need to stand. Now, let's take this a little bit deeper. Galatians chapter 3. Verses 26 through 28 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave or free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ. Literally, this this verse is saying that anyone who has committed their life to Christ by faith has has the status of having put on Christ. I remember years ago there was a man that preached out of this verse, and he said, it's literally like having a skin-tight Jesus suit. And we put it on. And no longer do people see us, they see Christ. They see Him. We put it on. We have that. And this is not just a suit. This is, this is kind of, does anybody here know the movie, um, uh, oh gosh, oh man, I'll get it. What's the movie, Kathy, that he has the little thing right here? Yeah. Iron Man. Does anybody know the movie Iron Man? See, when he put that suit on, he was invincible. That's right. He could fly. He could do all these things. People could shoot him and do all this stuff, and nothing would penetrate that suit protected him you say well why is it that my jesus suit ain't protecting me not please i'm i'm not trying to make fun of this or belittle it but the reason it is is because sometimes we only put our big toe in you got to put the whole thing on put it all the way on and say you know what this is who i am I am in Him. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, have put on, you've been clo- you have clothed yourselves with Christ. Listen to that. You could tell a lot about what, who people are by the clothes they wear, can't you? Do you remember? You remember in the '80s they had the, the, I think they still have them. You just don't see them. And in the '80s they had the shirts. They had the little alligator right here. You know, and they you were you were you were called a preppy. Remember that? You remember that? You remember? I had one of these jackets. That was a jacket was called a four members only. Jacket was really kind of a light windbreaker. Maybe I'm not. Um, nobody remembers that. Just is that our generation, dear? So do I, got any, do I need to go back to the 50s where you had the pompadour? Yeah. Yeah. You look like Elvis Presley. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is we always dress what we identify. That's why when, somebody's low, when somebody has very low self-esteem, they don't dress very well. That's why I'm convinced the, the demoniac, when he had his encounter, it says he was seated and clothed and in his right mind. Yeah. Why clothed? Because for the first time in his life, he had a new identity. No longer was he known the wild man in the cemetery. He had new clothes. Something changed. It was a new identity. The image of being clothed in Christ specifically re- relates to our identity as Christians. It's even deeper than that. The phrase literally means to put on, to take on, to press in, to submerge, to plunge into, to invest in, to bestow and endow. It means that his identity, all that Jesus is, is ours. That's right. We are sons of God. He is the first of many brethren. Amen. We are the brethren. Exactly. And for the ladies, once again, I don't know how you are a brother. I don't know how I'm a bride. It works in the economy of God. Yep. Okay. But we are the children of God, okay? And as children, we have this identity. Taking it a little further, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, this is the, I'll tell you something that's been happening in my, my devotional time. I'm going through right now, I've, I've I just finished up 1 Thessalonians, but I, I come through, you know, Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and, you know, all of that. I come through that. And those letters, there's a lot about Christian behavior, about how we are to act, how we are to, to uh, uh, operate in this world. And, you know, and as I'm I'm going through it, I'm reading this and, and I'm looking at I'm saying, Man, you know, we really need to hear this. We we need this. Because I think what happens is when we're in a setting like this, it's easy to go, Hey, that's you're right on, man. That's so good. But it's when we get into other settings, other situations. It's when we get into traffic and we're stressed out or, or we get into Safeway and we don't have enough money or we get home and a bill is late or, or, or somebody says something that, that makes us think you know we're offended or, or whatever. It's in those moments when this identity needs to rise to yeah. the surface. Hallelujah. That we can be brave. We can, we can have what's called brave communication. So, for instance, if Johanna says something to me, But I receive it, not understanding it as though she were being critical of me. Rather than going home, looking at Kathy and going, you know what, Johanna, I'll tell you what about her. Let me just tell you how her Christianity is. You know what, she just, all she does is just, yeah, 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 holier than thou, you know. And we do all this stuff. Rather than doing that, what Christian identity does is I love my sister my relationship with her is more important to me than this petty little nonsense. So I go to her and I say, hey, Johanna, you said something, you know, yesterday or today or whenever it was, it, it hit me wrong and I don't know that I understood you. This, and I'm certain she would look at me and go, what did I say? I'd say, well, you said, hey, fat boy. You know, whatever, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a little fun here. I she would never say that to me. But anyway, whatever she said. But now she has an opportunity. Because see, I didn't, what I didn't do is I didn't default to my old identity. I didn't default to my old nature. What I did is I operated in the love and grace of God. I went to my sister and said, hey, you're important to me. And we need to work this out because I'm not sure that I hurt you right. And the devil could be stirring the pot over here. Because how many know he does that from time to time? Okay? And so somewhere along the line, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about operating in our identity. So again, I cannot tell you how important this is. And I believe the reason that identity is in crisis is because there's a thing that we're all familiar with, and it's called identity theft. That is, the str- that is the strategy of the devil. The devil wants to steal your identity. Why? Because if the devil can convince you, you are not what God says you are, then he can, at very minimum, derail you, exactly. if not destroy you altogether. Because it's that identity, it's what Jesus did for us that's imputed to us, given to us we walk in it by position I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by position now I still stumble around in daily behavior but in position I'm seated with him in heavenly places in position I'm royalty in the kingdom of God in position I am a king and priest before him in position I am all that he says that I am now, in behavior, I'm struggling. I'm still working some stuff out. Every now and then, I get my wires crossed, and, and every now and then, I get a little attitude going on, and every now and then, I, I, I kind of lose control, and, and hopefully, what the Holy Spirit does, which He does all the time, is He will gently say, back up. Yep. Back up. Back up. Back, back, back. Okay, There. Start again. That's right. And if you'll listen to that, you will begin to build new habits based on your new identity that will cause you to have victory across the board. It's not look at it's not that life gets any easier. When I first went to the gym, I know looking at me now you can't tell that I ever went to the gym, but there was a time, there was a season when I went to the gym all the time. And I was I, I was there was four of us. And the three guys that worked out with me, these guys were monsters. And when I say monsters, they're benching 400 to 500 pounds on a flat bench. I mean, that's, you know, they got an engine block on each. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the bar, you know. The bar is 45 pounds, and I'm like, oh, my God, help me. Somebody, please, you know. And so I'm struggling because I was starting. But one of the things that was so cool about working with those guys is because they never insisted I be where they were. They said, you're at where you're at. Go forward. Yeah. That's right. they, and, and if I did the bar, if the next day I come in and I did an empty bar, whoa, whoa, like that, they were like, awesome. And then as we kept going, as I kept doing it, kept doing it, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm you know, I've got now what they call a one-plate lift. It's 135 pounds. Then we kept going, kept going, kept going. I got to a two-plate lift. It's 215 pounds. And I was able to put a 25 on there. It was 265 pounds. And I was able to bench. Now, 45 pounds, which is the bar, did not get any lighter. It's always 45 pounds. I got stronger. It felt lighter, but it wasn't. It's It's the constant. It's 45 pounds. I got stronger. And that's what I'm talking about here. When you learn to operate, that's why you need to study this. You go, who am I in Christ? What are the scriptures? What is Jesus telling me about who I am in Him? Not who I am without Him. I know who I am without Him. I'm a mess. Scary. scary mess. <laughs> By the way, I'll have to talk to you afterwards for saying it. I'm just I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, 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 teasing. I'm just teasing. We're a mess. But with Him, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So we need to look at that, and then we need to practice that. It's like, wait a second, can I do this? Yes. Why? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Whatever you're facing fits in the set of all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here's the thought, and I'm I'm, going to kind of bring this down now. Proverbs 23, 7, it says... For as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. And so, this whole thing, this whole dynamic really has to do with our mind, and what's in our heart and what's in our mind. Okay, the way we think. Once again, remember what we talked about in the beginning, the filter. That's part of that thought process, right? Thoughts are a part of that. And so, if we spend an enormous amount of time thinking about what we're not, that's what we'll be. Now, look it. I know. Let me Can I be vulnerable and just share a little thing from me? Okay, so Sunday, you, you guys know the story. Sunday was Mother's Day. We had scheduled Kathy to preach. Saturday night, Kathy gets really sick. Sunday morning, she's barely even getting out of bed. So, well, I got to go preach. Well, I wasn't feeling all that great, but I was feeling better than she was. I wasn't feeling all that great. And I came and my mouth, as I'm preaching, both times, if you notice, if you go look at the video, uh, I was drinking water really a lot, because my mouth was drying up, and I was really tired, and I wasn't putting two and two together. I was struggling. I really was. And so, the first service, I went, I went, went to the office, sat down, and I just went, that was horrific. It was, a wino could have preached better than that. I, I, I was like, that was horrible. So then I'm I'm sitting there and I'm kind of I'm kind of lamenting it. And, you know, I'm not I'm not chasing down my identity at this point. I'm kind of, you know, I'm struggling right at the moment. And so somebody would come in and I'd look at him because I wanted to feel better about myself. I went, that was horrible, wasn't? It? No, no, it was okay. Huh. We've all heard that statement, right? Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Define what's okay. Yeah. What is your measurement of okay? You know. So then time comes. I got to go up and I preach the second message. Second message was a little bit better, but man, I, my mouth. And you know that little thing that hangs down in your throat? It's called the uvula. It swelled up while I was preaching. It swelled up to twice its size. Couldn't even hardly breathe. I'm thinking, am I having an anaphylactic shock? I mean, I get back into the, I get back into the, the office. I take a drink of water. Couldn't even swallow. And I'm like, okay, something's up here. So I'm like, what am I going to do? What's happening? You know, Kathy's sick, Andy and Shay are sick, Alex and Amy are sick, and others are sick, and I'm like, oh, dear God. And I'm thinking, this was a bust. And as I'm walking out, I had people walk up to me and go, oh, my God, I have never heard a Mother's Day sermon that good. And I'm thinking, well, man, the bar is pretty low on your Mother's Day sermon. That's what I'm thinking. I'm walking out of here going, wow, you need to probably get into a, some churches that actually preach good, because <laughs> that really was poor. All the way today to Bill Frank comes up to me before uh, uh, class tonight, and he sits down and he goes, look it, if my credibility and longevity and seniority in this church has any meaning, then you're going to shut your mouth about that service and that sermon, because it was great. And, and, but see, the thing is, okay, so here's the thing, here's the thing. I'm not looking for the compliment. Here's the thing. The point is, I was struggling. So in my struggle, what I wanted to do was the easy path was to default to what I can control. I can default back to, see, I could go back and go, you're just no good, because I can control that. See, over here to say, you know what, God (laughs) took this mess that I was and was faithful and used it under anointing, is a lot harder to believe. I'm not in control at that point. But that is who I am. That's my identity. And that's what we have to do. So I'm still working this out. We have to make a choice. You are where you are today because of all the choices that you've made. And your choices are affected by what you believe your identity is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So let me, just, uh, let me just put the capstone on this. So there's an interesting verse of Scripture in Psalms 106, actually two passages, verse 11 through 13. It says, The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed His word. They sang His praise. They soon forgot His works. They did not wait for His counsel. And then verse 21 says, They forgot God their Savior, who had, got, who had done great things in Egypt. Here's the problem, church, is we forget. We forget. That's why it is so critical that we daily remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. Because every one of us have lies that are at work in our lives. We have a past. We have hurts. We have wounds. We have painful experiences. We have things that have gone awry and all of those things. Those things are there. But Jesus has dealt with them. They are dealt with. And what we have to do is remind ourselves daily and sometimes you may have to, when you're driving down the road, you may have to say in the mirror, looking into the rearview mirror, shut up. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes you've got to tell the devil, shut up. Sometimes you need to tell yourself, shut up. Right. Who are you? Who are you in Christ? Who did God make you to be? You know. And, and the worst thing that you can do is compare yourself to somebody else. I am not in a race with you. I'm in a race. I am running the race that God set before me. Amen. And the only one that I am trying to outdo is the guy I was yesterday. Exactly. Amen. That's a good statement. Are you hearing that? Amen. Now, next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit more at this identity thing, and then we'll bring that series to a close. I hope you've enjoyed this. I, I hope that's been good. So why don't we, uh, why don't we just take a moment and, and close in a word of prayer and We're going to let you get out even a little bit earlier this week. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for the identity that you've given us, Lord, the truth of your Word. We pray, Lord, that you would remind us daily, God, who we are in you. God, that when we are going through those moments of attack or those moments of of stress and struggle and uh, where things aren't going the way we would like them to, Father, help us to be able to remind ourselves of the truth of your word, of what you did for us and who you made us to be. And Father, we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.